Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Asha Komogisha in Kigali in Rwanda, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about the Confederation of African Football President Ahmad being banned for five years by FIFA for breaching various codes of ethics. And we assess his three years in charge. And with the CAF Champions League final on this weekend, the 2020-2021 Champions League and Confederation Cup also get underway, starting three months late. But despite the delay, CAF think that all will go well. We will go with the normal format according to the plans that we have now. We can play and complete the next season. That's coming later, plus a tributes come from African stars following the death of Argentina legend Diego Maradona. So Ida's not around this week, and I'm joined by another African football expert, Asha Komogisha, who's usually in Uganda, but are currently in Rwanda. Hi there, Asha. Hi, Steve. How are you? Thank you for having me. Good to have you on the show. Uh, and uh, no doubt about the big story of the week in African football. Uh, that's the Confederation of African Football President Ahmed being banned for five years by FIFA for breaching various codes of ethics. Uh, Ahmed is also a vice president of FIFA by virtue of being the CAF president. Uh, he's appealed. He's found to have breached uh, codes relating to duty of loyalty, offering and accepting gifts, abuse of position and misappropriation of funds. Now, we talked about this on the show a couple of weeks ago when we were discussing the race for the CAF elections next March, and Ida did point out that Ahmed might not be in the race by then. And, uh, Asha, while Ahmed has previously denied any wrongdoing, we did see that this might be coming. Well, yes, to be honest with you, I actually expected um, this announcement to come um, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but uh, FIFA, I think, decided that this was the right time to to bring this out because there's no way out of it, you know, when you look at uh, the facts on the table, when you look at uh, the issue, for example, of inviting 15 FA presidents to Umrah uh, in Mecca on CAF's money. Can you imagine how ridiculous this is? And and this is quite, you know, disappointing um, coming from a leader who everyone thought was the one that is going to turn around things in African football, uh, where people thought that 29 years of Issa Hayatu um, were not amounting to anything anymore and that uh, Ahmad is the one that's going to come and change everything. But we were greatly disappointed um, because it was mistake after mistake after mistake and then you felt that... Um, Africa needs a new face uh, of leadership. Yes, yeah, so as you say, there were hopes of um, better times for African football when uh, Ahmed deposed Issa Hayatu back in 2017. Uh, this after Hayatu, as you say, had been there for 29 years. Um, we heard from Planet Sport Football Africa listener Ebrima Kante in the Gambia. Uh, he was saying that he's uh, hoping for better. If you look at my country here, the Gambia, football players, fourth division, that is the highest divisional game, the highest game played here in the country. The first division players will earn less than $500. That is just less than $20 per month. So that one is, is outrageous. So what we need to do is let CAF invest in Africa. Let them invest in the infrastructure. 
like some countries they have only one stadium one functioning stadium the gambia we have only one functioning stadium here some countries their stadiums are not even up to standard so i believe CAF should look at that and do more but i hope and pray the best candidate wins the election. Well, thanks there to uh, Ebrima Kante in the Gambia. Um, so, Asha, um, it's sad, it's concerning, uh, but those are issues that have been around for decades uh, in African football. Uh, how would you assess those three years uh, under Ahmed in terms of developing the game on the continent? Well, to be fair to him, when he started out in 2017, there was a lot of um, excitement. And I remember CAF hosting the first ever football symposium in Rabat, Morocco, and uh, different stakeholders coming in to share ideas, um, you know, from across the continent. And uh, thankfully, I was part of this. I got to see what, you know, Africa has to offer. There were new faces around the game. And um, some of the big decisions were actually made at this football symposium. And uh, the, the following year, um, again in Marrakesh, in Morocco, uh, the first ever women's football symposium that brought together um, different stakeholders, again, people who care about the women's game. And some of the key things that I would say from these two uh, symposiums is that, uh, for example, for the women, uh, a, a department uh, at CAF specifically looking out for women's football was created uh, and now you can see that in a couple of months um, they've managed to launch uh, an amazing strategy, uh, brought people closer, people who know and understand the game on the continent who are on the ground and that is something that was lacking in the past and um, you, you can see that you know people like uh, Safia uh, Delayam and Meskerem um, Goshime who know the game um, in Africa And we've seen uh, also a strategy uh, on social media. There's now you can see that there's coverage of uh, women's football. Uh, So from that perspective, yes. But also you can say that uh, under Ahmad, um, the transfer of the AFCON from uh, January, February to a summer like uh, June, July, um, was a fantastic idea. The, the, the Afcon in Egypt, um, you know, you could see the players more relaxed. They don't have to worry about club football back overseas. I mean, most of them play there. Uh, and then also the, the, the transfer really of, um, uh, the CAF Champions League and Confederation Cup from uh, a calendar that was February to November, uh, moving it to September to May you know, running like the regular seasons that we know. Um, this helped a lot because uh, now, you know, you have players who at least could rest. I remember there's a period uh, between, let's say, 2015 and 2018 where players like, uh, you know, Kekana Lompo, players like Denis Onyango from Uganda, uh, players who are very crucial to their national teams and also their clubs uh, when, when able to rest uh, for a couple of, you know, I mean, we're talking about three years with, without to rest because when they finish playing the league and, and you know the season they have to come and play with the national team then they have to continue if their teams are in the CAF Champions League uh, so it was it was really um, a big step you know in the right direction and I should say those are some of the things that Ahmad got right um, apart from you know the financial misconduct that uh, came into the picture. And the uh, expansion of the Africa Cup of Nations to 24 teams? Yes, to 24 teams because, I mean, uh, you can see teams like uh, uh, Burundi and Tanzania ca- coming to the AFCON. Burundi for the first time, Tanzania for the first time since 1980. Um, and then, you know, g- good composition, really. Uh, you know, you, you got to see... Uh, 
different teams coming back into the picture, but also we are reminded that uh, it's not just the big boys at the end of the day, uh, that some nations, you know, like Madagascar had something to say, uh, even though they were the first team to qualify for the AFCON uh, 2019. But generally, you can see that there were good vibes. Um, but, you know, a couple of issues here. I mean, broadcasting, we are unable to watch uh, the AFCON qualifiers in sub-Saharan Africa. And this is a very big problem, especially in 2020. Yeah, so some positives, um, certainly that uh, dealing with a sports equipment company, Tactical Steel, was a, a major factor in the downfall uh, of uh, Ahmed with uh, uh, some financial dealings that uh, did uh, lead to this uh, investigation. Um, now then, so our guest analyst on uh, Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport this week, is African football expert Asha Komogisha, who's usually in Uganda, but currently in Rwanda. Uh, now, depending on what day you're listening to the show the 2019-2020 CAF Champions League final may have been played already uh, Al-Athli against Zamalek on Friday night in a clash of the Egyptian rivals well also this weekend uh, somewhat uh, strangely the 2020-2021 CAF Champions League kicks off with preliminary round games and this season's Confederation Cup also gets underway it's been extremely challenging getting these competitions going with the COVID-19 situation, so they are starting three months late. Now, CAF held an online session with the media last weekend, and CAF's competitions director, Samson Adamu, was asked if the Champions League and Confederation Cup might have the quarterfinals removed to save a bit of time. We do everything not to disrupt the format of the competition and not to disrupt because there are also a lot of obligations from a marketing, from a TV point of view, the number of games that CAP needs to do. But we will go with the normal format according to the plans that we have now. We can play and complete the next season, uh, not in the normal time. It's not going to be finished in May, it's in July. But we have uh, experience actually will reprogram the competition. If it, by any chance there's going to be further delay due to the virus, if it evolves and gets completely out of hand, we would adjust accordingly. But for now, we are managing it. And we also had the experience of the transitional season. So we uh, we basically played in almost in the same time that we're playing right now. So this is not a problem. So the competitions will end in July rather than May. Uh, that's the plan at the moment. But how do you think these competitions will go, Asha? Uh, factors here would include in terms of travel, uh, hosting the games, and also the level of performance. Um, our CAF Champions League representatives here in Zimbabwe, FC Platinum, were only allowed to start training last month because of COVID-19 regulations here. Uh, they last played a competitive match in March, and they'll face Costa de Sol of Mozambique without having had any warm-up friendlies. And uh, I think many other clubs have struggled in their preparations. Well, it's um, it's I think you know it's the same across of uh, most most of Africa because uh, the pandemic has really taken a, a toll on um, every sports uh, activity, I should say. But uh, things have started opening up, you know, in October and November. It's the same really for everyone, to be honest. It's not just FC Platinum, um, and you can see really that uh, uh, the, the 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 Afcon qualifiers helped. So the teams that 
have uh, a big number of locally best players uh, will benefit in, uh, in in this CAF Champions League because when you look at teams like uh, mostly in East and Central Africa um, or East and Southern Africa, they've had uh, some players playing in the Afghan qualifiers, so that should help. Uh, you talk about FC Platinum, but also in from an East African point of view, uh, in Uganda, for example, Vipers had a couple of players on the national team that won and lost to South Sudan. Uh, same for Rwanda, actually. Um, APR had a big number of players uh, playing against Cape Verde and they host uh, Gormahia from Kenya. Same for them. Um, so from this part, yes, the, the teams that could... Uh, struggle a bit will be the West African teams because most of their players are based in Europe and uh, uh, yeah, it could be a problem for them really. Yeah, sure. And uh, maybe like in the English Premier League, there's been plenty of surprise results. Uh, probably that'll be the case, I think, in the CAF Champions League and the Confederation Cup. Uh, thanks a lot to our guest analyst, Asha Komogisha in Kigali in Rwanda. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, Stuart on the English Premier League as Chelsea against Tottenham is the big game of the weekend. You can follow us on Twitter at PlanetSportFA and our website is PlanetSport.TV and recently added there we have a blog called Justice, Fairness and the Free Gift of Forgiveness. You can go to our website PlanetSport.TV and click on the blog section to get there to see that latest entry. Let's go to social media now. And last week we asked, would you be happy to get paid without getting game time? Uh, Manchester United has a first team squad of 43 players, meaning that most of them don't get a place in the starting lineup week in, week out. Among them are Nigeria's Odion Igalo and Ivorian Eric Bailly, plus the new Dutch signing Donny van der Beek. Although they don't play much, they're still earning large salaries. So last week we asked if you were a star footballer, would you be happy to be missing the action but still getting lots of money? Well, this question's really caught your imagination. Here with your comments is Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, Steve. And we uh, start on Facebook uh, with uh, Fallan OG Bliss in Nigeria, who says, It depends on whether I am old or young. If I'm old, then I would be happy to get paid with not much action on the field. Uh, but if I'm very young, then definitely no, because at a young age, you are still building up your potential and you need to get more playing time so that you can compete in a higher level. Uh, to WhatsApp now, and Emmanuel Andor in Ghana agrees that age is an issue. I would check which other teams are available, and my age, uh, says Emmanuel van der Beek and uh, Bayi, can try different teams because they are still young. Uh, but I think Igalo would have to stay because of his age, and no other European top flight team can offer him a deal like that. And Mustafa Jallo in the Gambia also agrees. Uh, for me, game time is the best. If you're not playing but earning a big money, that will not last long because you'll be sold to a less rich club or you'll be a free agent in the next season. Uh, but the more you play, the more you have the opportunity to sign for a bigger club. Jesse Rando in Sierra Leone sees another reason to justify the high salary, even if you're not playing. Of course, I would be really happy to take a high pay even if I'm not playing, says Jesse, because most footballers have no pension, so I would play for the money to keep me when I hang up my boots.
And we go now to Emmanuel Harry in Malawi who says, a game time is essential for it gives a real definition to a player's performance. I would need to fight to earn my salary. So without game time, I might lose all my skills, commitment and passion in football. Mumba Irene Jere is in Zambia. As a reasonable man, I would not be happy, says Mumba. I'd be better off not being paid because I'm doing nothing, at least if once in a while I get to play and then all is well and good. I will be happy, but I wouldn't be completely happy if I wasn't playing. Emmanuel E. Shamaki in Nigeria brings another perspective. Well, for me, it all depends on your passion towards the game and club, says Emmanuel. Someone like Odioni Gallo has already voiced his passion and his pride to play for Manchester United. I think he is just so happy to be a United player, even without having much game time. But if it was me, coming from my economic situation, I would be okay with the huge pay, even without playing. And we always welcome your voice notes here on Planet Sport of Football Africa. And here's Ansumana Sonko in the Gambia. Well, Steve, absolutely. It's something that's going to make me unhappy. Getting well paid and having limited game time is, is something that may affect you in your career. And also, if you are competing with players in your national team, those that are playing regularly will have more opportunity to be called on the national duty than you. Getting more game time and getting higher paid is going to make me as a professional footballer or staff player happy than getting much paid but with less game time. Uh, so Antumana saying there he'd be much happier to receive his high wages if he was playing more often than not. Moono John in Zambia is certain about his own view. I wouldn't be content with just getting the money, says John. Uh, playing is better. You get to better yourself as a player and maybe some endorsement deals will come based on your performances on the pitch. Uh, this is the reason I would be happy playing week in, week out. Mohamed got in touch from Sierra Leone. Would I be happy missing the action but still being paid? Not really, says Mohamed. Although everyone is really playing for the money, but as a professional, I would prefer to be paid for playing rather than not playing. And Ibrahim, also in Sierra Leone, agrees. In football, you play for two things the medal and the cash. So if you are missing the field action and getting the cash, I don't think it's good for the player's career because he is playing not only for his club, but potentially for his country too, says Ibrahim. And finally, PK is in South Sudan. Uh, to me, I would not be happy because I was bought to come and play football week in, week out, says PK. I do not want to be bench material and would not accept always being outside the pitch. Thanks, Ephraim. That's Ephraim Tagu there. Thanks for all of those comments. And, uh, well, for me, uh, I wouldn't mind being an English Premier League player just for a few weeks, maybe, sitting on the bench and uh, getting paid lots of money. And on social media this week, uh, asking how would you rate Ahmed's three years as CAF president? As we were saying earlier, the CAF president Ahmed has been banned for five years by FIFA for breaching various codes of ethics. So how would you rate his time in office there were hopes of a new dawn for African football when Ahmed deposed Issa Hayatu in 2017. 
Under Ahmed, we saw the Africa Cup of Nations expanded with 24 teams playing at the finals last year. But uh, the financial position of CAF has deteriorated. Uh, so how would you rate Ahmed's three years in charge? You can go to our Facebook page and post a comment there. That's Planet Sport Football Africa. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. How would you rate Ahmed's three years as CAF president? Well, next here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, the world of football is mourning the death of Argentina legend Diego Maradona, who passed away on Wednesday at the age of 60 in Argentina after suffering a heart attack. We spoke about Maradona just a couple of weeks ago on the show as he turned 60, having just had successful brain surgery. And Stuart explained why Maradona is regarded as one of the greatest players of all time. Remember, he helped Argentina to win the World Cup in 1986, and memorably in that quarter-final win over England, he was responsible for the infamous Hand of God goal and then a mesmerising solo effort. Well, Ed Ahrens is a journalist with The Guardian newspaper in the UK and author of a book published recently called Made in Africa, The History of African Players in English Football. And Ed joins us now. Uh, Ed, I believe you met Maradona. Yes, Steve. Well, it was a day I will certainly never forget because, uh, you know, I think anybody who had the opportunity to be in Maradona's presence will, will tell you that he had a certain aura about him and I, I had the, the chance to, to meet him. Um, it was a, a few months before the start of the 2010 World Cup in South Africa and Argentina had chosen to come to the University of Pretoria as their training base and he was coming to have a look around. And I just remember the anticipation was sort of for about a week beforehand. Uh, everybody was waiting to, you know, go and go and see the, the, the legend that is Diego Maradona. And he, you know, he didn't really disappoint when he came. It was just, I remember everybody, uh, just being, totally in awe of him but he was just so down to earth and uh, I, I took a few pictures of him and I had the opportunity to shake his hand among many other journalists as well who were there and uh, also uh, Hristo Stoichkov was there because he at the time he was manager of uh, Mamelodi Sundowns the local the local team so uh, they met each other and had a massive embrace and it was just a real honor to be in the same room as the two legends like that but particularly Maradona um, and, and the way he interacted with the local kids as well who'd, who'd come out to meet him was, was really unforgettable. Um, so, yeah, very sad news. Well, what an experience. And uh, certainly was a very generous, kind and a warm, friendly side uh, to Diego Maradona. And Ed, his influence reached into Africa, uh, stimulating a whole generation of top African players. Yeah, absolutely, Steve. I think he, he really gave everybody around the world, not just in Africa, but yeah, the whole world, you know, it was the inspiration behind uh, so many people starting to play football. But yeah, I think when you think of all the great African playmakers there have been since, uh, since Maradona, you know, somebody like JJ Acocha, who was really in the spirit of El Diego, wasn't he? The way that he played football. Um, and, and I think even, even today you go around any city in Africa and you'll see people with the, uh, with Maradona shirts and, you know, Maradona t-shirts. He's still, even though he stopped playing so many years ago, he's still so relevant to people. Um, and I think lots of kids at the moment will be getting a big education from, you know, watching some videos that are being, you know, that are being shown again of, of, of some of his amazing feats. 
Yeah, indeed they will be. And uh, Diego Maradona always will be remembered as one of the greatest footballers of all time. Uh, thanks, Ed. That's Ed Ahrens uh, in the UK. And uh, more in the coming weeks on Ed's book called Made in Africa, the history of African players in English football. Well, let's stay in the UK now and go to Stuart Weir. And before we talk English Premier League, Stuart, African legends are giving their tributes to Maradona. Didier Drogba said, my idol has died. His was the first football shirt I ever had. The man behind my love for football. Canu said, your memory will live forever. Roger Miller, I can't believe it. My great friend Diego Maradona has passed away. Sad year. Sincere condolences to his family. And George Weah said, we have lost a legend and an icon. Universally recognised as one of the greatest footballers of all time, he helped Argentina win that World Cup in 1986, scoring two of the most memorable goals ever. But of course there was also the dark side to him, scoring the infamous Hand of God goal, putting the ball in the net with his hand in the quarter-final of that 1986 World Cup, claiming initially it was the head of Maradona and the Hand of God, later admitting it was his hand and saying he didn't regret it and he did not regard it as cheating. One of the reasons for his early death was for more than 30 years he battled addictions to alcohol and cocaine, which led to several health complications. A troubled soul who will be remembered for his greatness on the football pitch. Yes, a football genius with a troubled side indeed was Diego Maradona. Right to the English Premier League now then, and uh, wow, the standout game this weekend is Chelsea against Tottenham on Sunday. That's first against third, and Chelsea are creeping into the picture now with a good run, while Tottenham made a big statement beating Manchester City last weekend. Uh, so these are two serious title contenders now, maybe Stewart. Yes indeed, Steve. Chelsea-Tottenham will be an intriguing game because they do look the two clubs most likely to challenge Liverpool for the title. Tottenham followed their 6-1 win at Manchester United with an excellent victory over Manchester City. Now, City had more possession and more chances, but technically, Jose Mourinho just got it right. Mourinho, incidentally, is the second manager to lead the Premier League table with three clubs, having previously won the league with Chelsea, finished second with Manchester United, and now he's leading with Tottenham. And Steve, since you asked... The last manager to do that was George Graham in the 1990s, Tottenham, Arsenal and Leeds United. I mentioned last weekend Chelsea's big money signings, Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech, up front in particular. Frank Lampert, though, is rotating his squad really well with Tammy Abraham scoring against Newcastle last weekend and Olivier Giroud scoring in midweek in the Champions League. So that's a nice interchange between his new and old strikers. And, of course, the new African goalkeeper, Edouard Mondé, has given real solidity at the back. But here we are, nine games into the season. Tottenham are top of the table, and they are, in fact, the seventh club to top the Premier League table this season. And there have been 12 changes in all. Now, some of that is due to the way games are now spread out from Friday night through Saturday to Sunday. But that said, I don't think any of us expected Arsenal, Leicester City, Everton, Southampton, as well as Chelsea and Tottenham and Liverpool to be top of the table at some point already.
Right, so Arsenal were on top uh, briefly in the early stages of the season, uh, but the Gunners really struggling now, Stuart, and uh, finding it difficult to score. What a strange season for Arsenal. Four wins and four defeats and one draw. To be fair to them, their defeats were against Liverpool, Manchester City and Leicester City, but then also losing 3-0 at home to Aston Villa, plus that 0-0 draw last weekend with Leeds. And that does leave them very much in the middle of the table. But the real problem, as you say, is scoring goals. In fact, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang scored a penalty to beat Manchester United, and that's the only goal that Arsenal have scored in their last five league games. Now, last year, Aubameyang scored 22 league goals But this season, we're a quarter of the way through and he's only got two. There's also been some criticism of the Ivorian Nicolas Pepe, who scored 22 goals in his final season in France, but has failed to live up to his $96 million transfer. Mikel Arteta is understood to be frustrated by the Ivorian's inconsistency. Pepe certainly produces moments of brilliance, but in Arteta's view, does not do enough to justify a regular place in the starting lineup. And in fact, he's only started two of Arsenal's nine league games so far this season. And when he got a red card last weekend for headbutting a Leeds United player, his manager had lost patience with him, saying publicly that his behaviour was unacceptable. That moment of indiscipline has certainly done Pepe no favours at all. Yeah, sure. And uh, maybe there's still better to come uh, from uh, Nicolas Pepe at the Gunners in the course of time. Thanks, Stuart. So Arsenal play Wolves on Sunday. Same day, it's Chelsea against Tottenham. Uh, For Liverpool, after that home defeat to Atalanta in the Champions League on Wednesday, they play away to Brighton on Saturday. Manchester City take on Burnley and Man United are away to Southampton on Sunday. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Asha Komagisha in Rwanda and Stuart Weir and Ed Ahrens in the UK, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.